Okay, this is episode 008 of the Flipping Tables podcast. I'm David Lyons. I'm Mike Edwards. And I think we have a little bit of follow-up from last week that you should follow up on, Mike. Yeah, so two things. Uh, friend of the show, Brian Yinger, uh, I just want to give a shout-out to him. He also has a, a web series slash sort of podcast, but it, it, um, YouTube channel and so forth and website. Um He's a big fan of Dota, and I am woefully um, underinformed on Dota. <laughs> I've played it maybe twice and got sweared out of the room oh, were because you, I were don't you know. We just like get out of here, noob. <laughs> it's got. A, I don't know if it's actually true in the abstract, but it's got a reputation as not a very noob friendly. So one of the cool things Brian's channel does is. It's a way to learn about the game without getting yelled at. There you go. But um, it's nice to not get cursed at. Definitely. <laughs> so we'll have a link in the show notes, and just uh, thanks to Brian for for checking our podcast out and the kind words. Um, the other bit of follow up was uh, Matt Duncan had asked about uh, which Windows tool I use so that I could scroll without clicking on Windows. So uh, if you didn't hear last episode, one of the things I like about OS X is you can. You don't have to transfer OS Focus to scroll. Yeah, which I realize, because I was never a Mac person before I started this job. I just, you know, the computers I bought were always Windows machines. And certain things, mostly around scrolling and the trackpad, I now, like, I'm spoiled. I can't go back. Yeah. So if Windows doesn't have it built in, I would have to emulate that functionality. Because I, I do it constantly. Yeah. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> So the, the utility I found on Windows that emulates that is always scroll wheel, and there's probably a dozen of these, and there's probably even some that are better or feel less like crappy freeware. But, <laughs> and um, to be clear, that just means whatever window the cursor is hovering over, that's where the scroll wheel affects, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't give that up now. Yeah. I'm spoiled. Can never go back. So that's my follow-up. I'm done. <laughs> and see, see you guys you. next week. <laughs> Just throw down the headphones, slam the door. So uh, I think we're going to talk about wearable tech. And so you coincidentally, not coincidentally, every year at this time, <laughs> you, you had a birthday. But this birthday in particular, you got some wearable tech, right? Yeah. So Shelby, my wife, surprised me with a Pebble smartwatch on my birthday and so let's see it's been about two weeks or so yeah uh, so I've had it about two weeks and gotten to sort of play with it and put it through the the paces and as so, it were so the Pebble is it's like a notification platform right yeah so it, it connects to your phone over bluetooth and it's got a e-ink display which I think is neat because yeah. doesn't that give it a battery life of like a week well, yeah. that, that's what they say. So, it's, what does it really get you? It's like five days. Okay, that's still not every night. Yeah, I think for is for a wearable well, like because Google Glass, like you can't wear it all day. No, so it's it's long enough that I can pretend it's actually as nice as a watch, where you just don't worry about it. Right, and I can leave the charger at work and like charge it on Monday, and then charge it before the weekend, and, and then you're then, good. Then I'm good. Hmm. So I like that. That's definitely a big plus. I think what the the feelings I've had about it since I've had it are, it's pretty cool. I, I've enjoyed it, and I immediately want more out of the product category. <laughs> so, so okay. So it's it does notifications. Mm-hmm. I know I've seen someone who coded Flappy Bird for it, so I'm actually trying to find that. Yeah. So it's got <laughs> a it's got four buttons: a back and a accept button and then there's an up and down and so there's a a little bit you can do with apps on it but it's pretty simplistic well and even because it's not a touch screen and it's got the four buttons but even so the e-ink refresh rate is still there's a limit right like you're never going to get 60 frames per second no it's it's better than like and it's black and white it's a better refresh rate than like the nook or the, I guess Kindles have gotten pretty good, but it's Kindles have gotten very fast. My wife has the the touch one, the latest one, the and Paperwhite. Uh, yes, the Paperwhite. <laughs> thank you. And uh, it's it's really especially because she had a third generation, so she had the third generation. Then there was a Paperwhite, and now the new Paperwhite, which is what she has. And when you see them side by side, it's 
it, yeah. it's like going back to an Atari after playing a PS4. It's just ridiculous how bad it is. And I mean, <laughs> only like a year and a half ago, I was like, this is an amazing device. So, I've, I, I mean, it's... It's so you could see it in sunlight, isn't it? Like, isn't that the and battery life? And yeah, the I main reasons. Otherwise, why wouldn't you want a touchscreen color display? Right. There's no reason to argue for this except battery life and visibility. Well, wait, okay. So, and there's third one, cost. Yeah. So a, a Pebble costs, I think, two hundred fifty. Well, the, they have the newer the steel. So I think that one's two hundred. Makes me think of Zoolander every time. <laughs> the blue steel. So. And okay, when you compare that to let's say like the Moto 360 that they just announced, um, or pre, announced I don't know what you call that. <laughs> <laughs> they said it's coming, and it's the classic tech company thing of like pre-announcing. Yeah, pre-announced the official teaser release. But I actually believe it. Beta, like, beta. It's not the vaporware of most pre-announced things. Oh, I agree. It's it's actually coming, um, but. They went with, for the Moto 360 specifically, they went with not just a touchscreen, but a round touchscreen. So it actually looks like a watch. Yeah. Which is, I mean, so the the Pebble's rectangular. Well, well, some of the Android wares aren't going to be round, though. So the platform can be either. Yes, that's true. Only the 360 so far is specifically like round. That could be a, an interesting design issue because as much as you might have a very, very similar surface area, a circle changes everything about the way you would design an interface, <laughs> I think. This changes everything. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was going to say, you got your uh, little bit of Steve Jobs going there. This <laughs> but I mean, seriously, because like, Again. one of the places in an interface you hide stuff that doesn't necessarily need to be interacted with, but just needs to be there is the corner. And yes. And now you've got no corners. Right. So, but then, could you also make an argument that a... Two, a one and a half to two inch screen is so small that please don't waste any of the interface on crap that's not high priority. I mean, it's well, not that the stuff's low priority, but I mean, just on your phone, like the little icons for different notifications or system or network statuses. Right, but if you have such a small screen, you think about the average person's eyesight. It, it would have to be. The the thing they're looking at has got to take up most of the screen, I would think, unless you yeah. have it, you know, jammed well, just, way up in your face. Like I can imagine with a square, you could get away with on that size four or more buttons or something on a screen. Oh, uh, like this, uh, like iPod Nano style. Yeah, the way that you could either swipe and get one at a time, or you could do the grid of four. Yeah, and I feel like a circle kind of makes that a lot more difficult, but maybe yes. not. You you could do um, like Simon style, where it's like the cross through the middle and then the rounded. <laughs> but I mean, I guess it remains to be seen: will developers make two versions of their apps for square and circle, or will they find some common denominator? I think Android will Google does not want them to have to do that. Because if you saw any of the the, the pre-pre-beta alpha pre-release announcements... <laughs> final, final. <laughs> no, the opposite of final, final. <laughs> alpha, alpha. Where they're talking about, you know, we think this is the greatest wearables platform ever. <laughs> and it's lots of, you know, xylophone music and all that <laughs> crap. Um, it's uh, They very much were like, we made a platform for any wearable-style device... And they didn't go into it too deep, but for the the tech-savvy people, they kept talking about, this is a platform for more than just watches, and they kind of hinted it like a jacket that has sensors in it. A pendant. <laughs> the Google pendant. Or, or shoes, you know, that track your running, that a kind of thing. nicotine patch. <laughs> smart patch. <laughs> yes. You haven't smoked in over 20 minutes. Would you like a cigarette? There's a 7-Eleven like two blocks away. <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel like... Because you, you said with the Pebble, you got it, and you're like, wow, this is awesome. Now do more stuff. Yeah. And I feel like... Google and and probably Apple and other people in this space, 
they have already thought beyond the watch style, bracelet style, but people aren't ready for that. Yeah. I mean, look at Google Glass. So that's probably, when you, if you say wearable technology, people think smartwatches and Google Glass, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I still haven't gotten, like, really use one for an extended period, but to me, the HUD thing, like, that totally makes sense. And I grew up watching Dragon Ball Z. I want the scouter. <laughs> like, I want to be able to talk to it and push button and have it tell me stuff. When I'm near something, I want it to, you know, if I'm walking down the street in a city I've never been in, I want, like, an arrow pointing to the side. Like, your favorite coffee shop is right there. It's it's right, you're passing So it. what's it going to take for regular culture to get used to other than time? Like, what celebrity has to use it or what... What movie has to happen? That's tough because the one of the biggest complaints with glass specifically is the creepy factor, and I don't get that because (laughs) if you say you get onto like a a public train or you go to like a, a coffee shop or some some kind of public space where there's a lot of idle people, everyone is on a laptop or a smartphone or a tablet, all of which have microphones and cameras. So if I'm sitting across the the table from you in a coffee shop and I'm on my phone, you would not think for a single second, oh my God, his smartphone camera is pointed right at me. He could be recording me. Like No one thinks that. Mm -hmm. And yet I could absolutely be doing that. Totally clandestine. No one aware of what I'm doing. But with Google Glass, for some reason, it's different. Yeah. Well, maybe with a smartphone you could be a little inconspicuous, but no one's taking pictures with their laptop in public without looking like they're taking pictures. You say that, but if you look, I guarantee you there is a Tumblr somewhere that is a person who was working on their novel or coding or something in a coffee shop, and you can tell that they took that picture over their shoulder with their laptop camera because they're in it. Like, they're kind of awkwardly leaning, like, way over here... And it's like, oh, click, 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 huh? But even then, if they're awkwardly leaning away and, I don't know... I mean, if, if they're framing the shot, then the shot's on their screen, which is way more public than... Definitely. But... I it, think that's just the feeling people have, is, like, it's going to be way more obvious with all these other devices, and I just don't know, therefore I'm terrified of it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely fear... Was it, uh... Fear, uncertainty, and doubt, FUD? <laughs> yeah. Um... I don't. I guess, like, I don't want people recording me and posting pictures of me if I'm just out in public. Like, I'm I'm not a celebrity, so I don't expect that level of intrusion. Yet at the same time, I don't have any particular expectation of privacy when I'm out in public. So, did you see that Verge article about name tag or whatever it's called? Nope. So there's a, That's whole, a new one. There's kind of a whole new wave of facial recognition. Um, uh, software on the horizon. I mean, Facebook's been figuring it out for a decade with tagging photos, but obviously they're thinking beyond that. But with wearables and just cameras everywhere, um, just imagine every you step into a bar and you're it's like the Terminator just like scans everyone's face, and none of these are Sarah Connor. Okay, but <laughs> don't I mean, kill with, all these people <laughs> without the the scary sci-fi premise. Um, just you know, is is that stuff going to turn the world into a small town again? Because instead of being effectively anonymous in a big city, now it doesn't matter where you are, you are yourself, you are carrying your identity, your networked identity everywhere. So... It's on your face. I, I, I And I, I'm speaking completely from personal preference. I do not consider that a problem because to me there are cool things that go with that and if I'm in public and someone walked up to me and said hi what's your name I would just tell them like if they said hi what's your home address I would probably hesitate a little but (laughs) if someone came up to me and said hi what's your name and I said David Lyons and they googled me they could find out where I worked and then they could kind of triangulate my location down and then they could just go to a phone book and probably I mean my name's pretty common but it's not so common that someone who really wanted to figure it out couldn't figure it out. Well, I wasn't bringing it up to say that's terrifying, but more like 
the the big city anonymity is that going to disappear with this technology but that's what i mean like i think yeah and i'm okay with that like i want to walk into a place and get the wow style name tag above everybody's <laughs> head like bring on life mmo <laughs> And I just so slash I, dance slash laugh. <laughs> I, found, I found the name tag website for that that app you were just talking about, mm-hmm. and it has a Yakov Shmirnov uh, tag uh, or tagline. It's with name tag, your photo shares you. Yeah, like I, that's. They have to know that a product like this is going to invoke the creepy factor from people. Yeah, you would think you don't want to talk about technology doing identifying things on the person's behalf like you just terrified a bunch of your customers well i mean the other thing about it is is there an effective opt-out for people that don't want to be identified by all these technologies probably not well that's what i mean like if you (laughs) you'd have to like register with name tag i guess yeah and that's what the article mentioned was that like you still have to go through their terms of service, which still has some things you might disagree with, just right. to opt out from the fact that they're allowed to identify you to other people without you ever even knowing who they are or signing up for them in any way whatsoever. Yeah, and that's... So, I mean, it really, the technology is here. I mean, because we've had those little tiny button cameras that you can buy from the back of, like, a Radio Shack catalog for... But it's never been years. Internet of Things. No, that's true. But, but I'm just saying the technology is is here and works really well. So that that's already done. So we now have to kind of decide as a culture, are we going to allow this or are we going to put the kibosh on it? Because it's already done. It's not like, should we go to the moon? It's like, we're already on the moon. We just have to decide whether or not or we're going to bring We're already rocks. in the shuttle on the way. Yeah. Yeah, we're already... Like, we've left the atmosphere, we've broken the surly bonds so, of I God. Mean, I think the society has to figure this out, and hopefully in a constructive way, because, I mean, even Google, is they aren't allowing facial recognition apps yet on Glass until they work out. They are not authorizing. Right. So that's one of the things I with mean, Glass. I mean, they exist, but... Yeah, but that's one of the things with Glass specifically that I've heard people, like, cludge up a little bit, because there's what Google will authorize, and then there's just what you can install. So if I make an app and Google's like, we won't give you sign-off, I can just put up a website. Mm-hmm. There, somebody did one like a week after Glass went public with, uh, I, I mean, it's porn, basically. Like, it, yeah. It's so, it's the intention is that both people wear Glass and then you can see what they're seeing. Yeah, virtualized porn. Of yourself. <laughs> yeah. Which, who wants that? I don't know. But the point is, Google will never give their sign off for that. Right. Well, I mean, I think with the facial recognition, they're gonna. That's there's positive uses of that, so I think they're gonna authorize it eventually. But I think they're just saying we need to figure this out, like, yeah, bef- culturally. Before we like, what's a privacy policy? What is? How does this work with this new tech? Yeah, which, I mean, to me seems about par for the course is, I mean, look at self-driving cars and uh, electric cars. Like, we we figured that out. It's done. But yeah. we're a long time away from people being cool with it. Um, just quick side note, I have to say, uh, my friend, I have a friend in the Air Force and another friend who's just a, an engineer who builds a lot of planes and stuff, and... Uh, most people don't realize that planes for like 20 years have been able to take off, fly, and land themselves completely autonomously <laughs> yeah. with no intervention. Um, ships, too. They can dock themselves and leave port. And it's like... People won't accept it. They won't trust it. Yeah, the airlines actually go out of their way to downplay that. Like, I don't think they would overtly lie to you. But that captain, or that pilot's yeah. kind of sleeping. Yeah, they're, they're dozing a little bit. <laughs> Um, so that I just it's like would you get on a plane yes then let's do it in a car how many plane crashes have you been in none <laughs> it's partially because of the technology well people have misconception about that too because you're more likely to get yeah. struck by lightning than die in a plane crash or something yeah you, or you're at least a billion times more likely to die in a car right <laughs> statistics so, um, you, so let's stop talking about yeah. scary, creepy stuff and yes. talk about cool stuff. So you had brought up something about micro-location services with wearables. Yeah. Because you got 
either Bluetooth, Bluetooth low energy. I guess you could put NFC in there and be smacking yeah. your wrist against stuff all the time. Um, so, w- what are some cool things you can do with that? Well, I guess we'll, we'll find out. But I, I, I really want the fact that this device is on me to be to tell other devices stuff that can make cool stuff happen. So, not only does this wristwatch. Um, Perhaps it, it knows my pulse, or it knows the temperature around me, or it knows... You seem very nervous, Michael. <laughs> Can't let you do that, Michael. <laughs> um, but also, like, micro-location, like, not just, oh, he's at the corner of these two streets, but he is by the chair. He's not <laughs> near the fridge. Or, so you want a smart chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, like, what could that, like, we've talked about, like, um, when I get a, a text message, don't notify all 15 of my laptop. I don't have 15 laptops, but, you know, like, I don't yeah, want to hear... Don't notify my phone, my laptop, and my tablet. I don't want tablet. six different beeps. I want the closest thing to me to beep. Right. And, like, yeah, every single device still gets the message, but only one of them has to light up and... Right, be in your face have a about song it. and pony show. So, <laughs> a dog and pony show. A song and pony show. It's even so, better. It is. Singing horses. I would go see that. So... Okay, so notifications are, are part of that, but at a micro-location level. So I'm thinking, and I know this is very 1960s World Fair, House of the Future, but <laughs> I'm thinking like when I reach out and grab the door to my fridge, that is when I want to be reminded, like, hey, you said you needed to go buy milk, or when I'm in the milk aisle of the grocery store. Yeah. Like, I don't want that reminder when I walk into the grocery store. Because it's not actionable yet. Right. It's kind of actionable. Like, now I have to hold it. Yeah, it's better than nothing. Yeah, but I want to know, like, as I'm passing that aisle, like, hey, the milk is 10 feet away. And then I want Google Glass to highlight the items in the aisle. So I just go straight, like, oh. That that is like Terminator vision. (laughs) Like, stuff gets the red outline. Yeah. See, yeah, and I, I think that's it's the outsourcing of of memory, right? Yeah. Like, people already say, oh, well, no one remembers anything because you can just Google it. And a lot of the old, let's just be honest, like Luddites in the older generation tend to find that scarier. And I'm like, great. Yeah. Like, I don't want to have to think about buying milk. When I'm near being able to buy milk, that's what I want to think about it. But like, right now, in the studio, I don't need to think about buying milk because I can't. Yeah. And could this extend independence or autonomy to even older people? I would certainly think so. Yeah. I mean, it, anything that helps you focus on what you're doing and then reminds you of things you need to know at the time you need to know them yeah, would ju- help anybody. Just in time. Yeah, just in time notifications. So the other one is I was reading an article about Connect and one of the things Microsoft might be working on. Like like the Dance Dance Revolution kind of Connect? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, the Xbox Connect. And the thing that this article was talking about was when you enter a room, it would recognize you. Like it can already do that. And it would play your theme song. <laughs> and <laughs> so, what what is your theme song? I don't know. It'd probably changed, but I was already like extending that to like how I could try to troll Shelby, like change her <laughs> theme song to something ridiculous. And then she walks in, and chicken dance, like, yeah. But and any kind of cheesy wedding or prom music yeah but just like i mean it's i guess it's sort of like the the ai that welcomes you home but well there's an old story and i should probably fact check this but it whether or not it actually happened the technology exists supposedly in the 90s one of bill gates's mansions um had everyone in the family had like these Badges, kind of like what you would wear in an office. Mm-hmm. And when you went into a room, it would set the lights and temperature and music to the preferred settings of that person. And I like to extrapolate out from that that, like, if one of his kids was in the room and then Bill came to the room, it changes to suit Bill because he <laughs> has, like, seniority, <laughs> right? Because it can't possibly do both. Yeah. I guess it could average between them. So it's no one's happy. <laughs> exactly. A solution that pleases no one. But, I mean, that's the the theme music idea, right? Yeah. Like, 
when I the room reacts to you. Yes, like when I grab the front doorknob to my house with my smartwatch on, there should be a little conversation that happens there where it unlocks the door. It turns on the lights, but not in the whole house, because I'm not in the whole house. I'm in. I'm yeah. going into like the foyer area. Do you just want light to follow you through the house as yeah. you walk? Basically, yeah, and and leave behind me as I go. <laughs> um, in like a horror movie, like ching, ching, ching. yeah, down the hall. Why? Is, what light bulb <laughs> makes that massive circuit breaker noise when it turns on and off? And also, like, usually it's, like, half of an entire hallway that's on one switch. Yeah. And then the other half. It's not, like, every yeah, five feet. Otherwise, the circuit breaker would be its own entire hallway yeah. for all those giant Frankenstein switches. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, I guess you would have to, if you had a family, you would have to sort of coordinate this. Like... I can't have this set up and then not have my wife do it because then when I leave the room, it'll be like nobody's in the room and turn all the lights off, right? Yeah. Like she would also have to, the room would have to recognize that she was there as well. well um, and it's like Connect is a really, it, right now it's sort of a sledgehammer because it's like such a high tech way of scanning and interpreting people. And like right, because it's three dimensional space. It can do facial like features. And maybe and that's one aspect of the future. But right now, it seems like the easiest way to get there is a, a much cheaper thing on your wrist. Sure, that it it identifies you not because it's scanning your shape and interpreting it, but it's just like nope, this one is Mike. We set it up as Mike. Right, and that actually that. That brings me to another interesting point we had talked about. So you have a an iPhone 5S, mm-hmm. which has the Touch ID, right? Yeah. So after the iPhone 5S first came out, I read an article saying that uh, using your thumbprint as your password is ridiculous, specifically because your password needs to be something that you can change. Otherwise, yeah. it's not secure, because then as soon as someone finds it out, like if your password was, is Hunter 2, half of you listening, <laughs> if your password is Hunter 2 and someone finds that out, that's it. That password is now garbage forever yeah. if you can't change it. So with the the Touch ID um, two-factor auth kind of thing, what this person said is your thumbprint should be your username and then something like a smartwatch or connected device of some kind, that's your password. Because yeah. that can be, if you lose the watch, you can deauthorize it and get a, a different one. So well, that way, you grab your phone or your laptop or your doorknob or whatever, and your thumbprint authorizes that it's you, Michael, and then your smart connected device is like, okay, it really is him because mm-hmm. he also has the watch or ring or whatever. Well, that's what I've heard about two-factor authentication is it should either be something you know, something you are, like a fingerprint, or something you have, like a smartwatch. As long as you have two of those things, right. your then, security's way up. And so yeah. you don't need a password if you have your <clears throat> fingerprint and something you have. Right. And so that's maybe the, this, the most culturally likely way of getting people to have stronger security because people are sick of passwords and managing them and people like us are willing to put up with setting up a password manager even though it's not hard it's it's still it's it's harder it's, than making all of my passwords hunter like, We just realize how important it is, so we're just like, all right, I'm doing this. Like, I'm going to have 20-digit hash passwords that don't mean anything to me personally. Yep. So yeah, no one can look up my mother's maiden name and get into my accounts. Yes. And, I mean, that, that kind of thing. I've tried to explain this to people, and it's always like... But that sounds hard. And it's like, yeah. Okay, you're going to lose everything because someone's going to scrape some crappy website you signed up for with your one password yep. that you use everywhere. And then now your Gmail and your bank yeah. and everything is going to go down hard. Exactly. And, and I try to explain to people, like, if you're not protecting anything valuable... You should still have security because it's more valuable than you think. Because like, yeah. um, I, I have this argument with people with their phones all the time. I just, they don't oh, lock Oh, man, their, they just have no password. No password. No, They don't even have the pattern lock. 
nothing. Yeah, even just like the, the laziest swipe. Yeah. Like, even that little bit. Yeah, and it's like you realize if someone gets a hold of your email, they have you. Like that's it. They can now reset your your password on your bank websites, on your um, your work accounts. Like they now own yeah. you. So. I really like the idea of the two-factor Plus, with the wearable. Plus, you probably already signed into all those things on your phone with oh, the mobile apps. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, so they... I mean, they, they have the keys to the kingdom. So with the, uh, the two-factor with the wearable, I feel like that... You have to remember to wear or carry that thing, that physical yeah. object with you all the time. But if it's something like a watch or, or someone... Uh, Kickstarter did an NFC ring, which... I really want like I want it to work and then I want it yeah. if, if it works because I wear a wedding ring so the idea of wearing a ring all the time is yeah completely trivial well I mean even if you even if you didn't have a, a something if you just switched out something you have with something you know like fingerprint plus an easy to remember pin is still way better yes and so, like, you can... Because yeah, you can change the pin, yeah. so the fingerprint is who you are, and the pin is the security. Yeah, and... Or the what you know. And maybe that's a, another path that people eventually... Once... So it has to get to the point where people already have wearables anyway. Yes. Like, they... Whatever... Yeah, they, they need to become more ubiquitous. Because then it'll be like, why the hell wouldn't you make your life way <laughs> more secure? Way more better. <laughs> So I feel I feel like with the the smartwatch ring whatever the the wearable smart thing <laughs> you're hell bent on this pendant but I feel like that is also a step in the direction of ubiquitous computing cuz say you have a device like an Android smartwatch and say you have a device like a Chromebook well, what I want to do is I want to walk up to anyone's Chromebook, put my thumb on it, or have it scan my retina or whatever. Some, <laughs> that's the thing I can't change, so that's who I am. Yeah. So now it knows my username, and then I tap my NFC ring, or it reads my smartwatch, and mm-hmm. it's like, that's my password. So now it just logs me into all of my stuff. Yeah. And it's like, of course I would still own my own computing devices, but if I'm at work... There can just be terminals about that I can just walk up to, and it knows who I am, and it gives me access and to all my crap. when you get hired, if there's 800 other David Lyons, who cares? Yeah. Because when you first authenticate into their system, they're like, okay, this is the new employee. Yep. This is who he is. All right, let him use any machine. Yeah. And that, because I've, I've heard this, this argument about, like, I will, me personally, I will let someone else use my laptop, but... I don't like it. Yeah. Like, I need to be nearby while they're doing that just because I'm, even though I have good passwords and stuff set up, if it's unlocked, I'm logged into a lot of things. Yeah. You know, for my own convenience, even though, like, my drive's encrypted and I, I take some security steps and two factor and all that crap. But, I mean, if I unlock it and then let someone else use it, chances are they're going to want to, like, log into well, Gmail. I, I or I already feel like that's a pretty common cultural thing. If someone's like, hey, can I use your phone? And you're just well, like... Ex- that's my point exactly. Like, no. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm already a little uneasy to let somebody use my laptop. When someone's like, hey, can I use your phone? I'm like, no. So that happened on the bus is someone just said, hey, sorry to do this, but can I use your phone? And I... I was basically saying no, but what I was willing to do was never hand it over, and they just wanted to text their friend that they were on their way and their phone was dead. And I was like, okay, I will send a text oh, message okay. so you for st- you. You still did the nice guy compromise. Yeah, it's like, okay, that's a real phone number. It's not like a five-digit. You're like making me buy something <laughs> through texting. Yeah, my friend is at nine one one. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, yeah. six, seven. And that was like, since that seemed legit, which is <laughs> what you always say for spam, but um, it's like, okay, tell me what to say, and this message will go there, but I'm not handing this to you. Right. Because literally my entire digital life is on this. Yeah, accessible from this device. And that's the thing, is like, if I drop my phone, that would be bad, but it's locked. 
the drive is encrypted. You can wipe it remotely. Can't I can, you? Yeah, I can wipe it remotely. So there's at least some barriers to protect me. Um, the particular device I have doesn't have a SIM card. And even if it did, it would be um, encrypted because I'm that paranoid. Yeah. Um, but if I hand someone my unlocked phone, a stranger in a public place... And he just takes I, off running, and for some reason he's like Olympic Kenyan yeah. marathoner. <laughs> it reminds me of Power Thirst. Remember Power Thirst? No. Oh man, that that we can't watch that whole thing on the air, but it's. <laughs> okay. I'll have to show that to you. Um, so yeah, then I mean, like, then not only do they have me, but I facilitated it. Like, I just pulled down my pants and bent over and was like, "Go nuts!" <laughs> <laughs> and that's that just seems reckless. And so you feel like having guest logins on everything through wearable username? Yeah, it would be awesome. Plus username. Yeah, because then, I mean, granted, I still would be it's like the hesitant to hand someone my phone, but at least if they take off with it, my stuff is locked and hidden. Yeah, or just like a, I don't know, like multi-user accounts, but like a baked-in subset of the device's capabilities like it's definitely not a root user but it's just like this user can make you could define it i guess like guest users can make calls and that's yeah it. yeah like, they, and use the browser yeah they can make calls and, and sandbox text messages or something everything right and that because i mean that would be and here we're going to get back into scary police state stuff but <laughs> That way, if I take your phone and do something nefarious with it, it's like, well, the phone knows it wasn't you. The phone knows it was me. Yeah. So, or your laptop or your your car. Like, if I get into your car... Until Tom Cruise takes your someone's eyes, eyes out. Yeah. And, well, the guy was dead already. He didn't, like, rip some living right. person's eyes out. I do like That's how... That's Minority Report, by the way. Tom Cruise didn't actually <laughs> gouge someone's eyes like, out. As much as that is very much a movie and has all the visual flair of something that's not strictly realistic, there's so many things in that movie that are going to happen, even if it won't be as sensationalized. Yeah, to me, the most realistic one was the ads. Yeah. Because after he gets the other guy's eyes, he's walking through, like, a mall or a shopping area, and it's like, the, he, Tom Cruise's name is, like, let's just say Tom Cruise. It's John and he, something. He has Bill Johnson's eyes, and he's walking through the mall, and it's like, oh, hey, Bill Johnson, how are those khakis working out for you? And it's like, the gap is yeah. literally talking to him through this ad platform yeah. by scanning his eyes, and it's like, that's coming. Yeah. Maybe not the eye scanning, but something like it. <laughs> Which I, I kind of it'll I'm, be your watch. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of with Leo Laporte on this. Like, I'm going to be bombard, bombarded by advertisements no matter what. So I would rather they were targeted. Yeah, you know, like if I don't, um, like I don't like red wine. So if I go into a liquor store and the all the signs start talking to me, I don't want to hear about red wine. But what about so? Is there an argument that maybe maybe you are astute enough and independent enough that you can handle that people are going to advertise crap to you and you can be like, you know what, I don't care. I can make my own decisions, rational decisions, I'll compare products. But is there enough of the human race that is sheep that can be easily manipulated that targeted ads will just be worse enough for us? Or will it be better? Like I... I don't know. You have posed an interesting question. So I have read back in, in my college days, um, I read some research for some psychology about th there's basically equal parts advertising totally works and advertising doesn't do anything research. So I don't know. Because depending on which one of those is true really would impact whether or not we should allow this to happen. What's going to happen? What? Yeah, whether or not we should be loud and against it. Because this is kind of like the filter bubble. Do you remember hearing about the filter bubble? No. Okay, so a guy did a TED Talk about the filter bubble. Um, I'll, I'll find it and throw it up in the show notes. And it's an interesting concept, but he got a lot of aggressive feedback um so what he posited was the more uh a search engine let's just be honest he means google um the more a search engine or facebook or whatever learns about you and then it 
stops showing you all the results and just shows you the results it thinks you want to see, yeah, that makes it harder for you to find disconsent and alternative opinions. Yeah. Um, for example, a lot of people... So again, the world becomes a small town in, a, in the yeah. marketplace of ideas, not just in yeah, knowing in, in who all, everyone in is. In all ways. And, and a lot of people don't realize this, and this is true, you can look this up, this is not conspiracy theory. Facebook does not show you everything under any circumstances. So if you follow someone and you put them in your closest circle of friends, that does not guarantee you that you will see everything that they yeah. post. There's actually complicated algorithms based on the engagement on to, stuff. Yeah, figure out stuff that's liked by other people is always showing up. Right. And so, someone's little cry in the dark for help that no one likes. Yeah. It's going to be ignored. Yeah, and that's... It, the reason that that became a, such a loudmouth problem, personally, that offends me because I want to don't I'm I'm friends with these people because I want to see their stuff, or I follow this this brand because I want to see its stuff. Don't just decide for me. Yeah. Um, and the reason it irritates me is because Facebook is very they downplay the fact that they're doing that, whereas Google in their search results says like, oh yeah, we're trying to customize it to you. And then the real important difference is that I feel like Google does what they say they're going to do and I get what I want. Yeah. Whereas with Facebook, because I, I, I've kind of pseudo-sworn off Facebook, but people will say, oh, I shared blankety-blank on Facebook and my response was always, I, what? I didn't see that. Yeah. Because it never showed up in my feed and it's like, I, how am I supposed to know well, to go hunting for these things? So, the way I notice it, the only really annoying way I notice it is uh, I decide for some reason to comment on someone who's I'm not really that close with it. just a minor acquaintance and some random post of theirs that showed up right. I comment on. And now the algorithm's like, oh, he's best friends with this guy. Show him everything this guy posts. Yeah. And I'm like, no. And, and this is one of the big complaints between Facebook and Google. Is it's like, well, Google messes with your search results. And I'm like, yeah, but they give me what I want. <laughs> so... So, yeah, arguably they screwed with it, but when I asked for thing A, I got thing A every time. Yeah. And and like I said, I feel like Google's more in your face about it, whereas Facebook is, they're kind of like, oh, we know what we're doing, just trust us. It's like, no, you suck. So, one of the lines of, so to go back to wearables, um, one of the lines of argument that I don't have much patience for is people that are complaining that the first smartwatches aren't tiny women's wristwatches that are really fashionable that there's sort of this fashion argument like well they're not pretty yet yeah and I'm which like, they're going to be very very soon like yeah give it a minute <laughs> and i i find that a particularly weird argument because fashion is incredibly subjective like so to say and like, elastic and just yeah changing constantly totally subjective i mean we still have plenty of people who are trapped in the fashion of 20 years ago so and we're actually bugle and, boy. and it's wearing bugle boys <laughs> and it's very cyclical so you know in the 90s i remember in like the late 90s especially there was like this resurgence of like 50s style stuff and then, like clockwork, in the 2000s, we got Mad Men, which is the 60s. Yeah. So it's like we go in this weird kind of cyclical pattern. Well, I mean, I feel like our generation is obsessed with the 80s. It bums me out because I hate those highlighter colors. Those <laughs> stupid, like it's the no pink and yeah, the, the no fear jagged lines. <laughs> like, ugh. Blech. But it's sort of like, I mean, I was born in 84, so... Effectively, my memory starts basically in the nineties. Yes, like, yeah. I have, Born in the eighties, child of the nineties. But I, I understand the feeling of nostalgia for the thing. I never really. I mean, I half. Yeah, I half the decade, but not really. Right. And it's maybe it's because I had older siblings that it feels like I fully experienced the eighties because I was submerged in it with all the toys and yeah, cartoons and, that yeah, were already being watched. But. I'm in the same position as you. Like I have fond memories of cartoons that aired like the year I was born, <laughs> so I know that I watched them in syndication with my older brother. But yeah. I, I still I can't. Ha it, it's an eighty five. But that's just the cyclical thing. So like, yeah. it seems like when 
then that generation becomes the tastemakers in their 20s that are all hip and they're all the best bands and they're all the new wave of whatever culture is doing <laughs> that they always call back you know they change it a little it always gets tweaked but it's always the nostalgia coming through in a new way and is that going to keep happening or is culture going to get so fast and hyper in in the digital era that you won't have as clear like a decade will be way too much time i mean just think of the difference between 2000 and 2009 oh yeah well that's so i never thought about it that way but my thinking was like right now we're parroting the 80s so 20 years from now will we be parroting our parroting of the 80s so the, like over time, you'll still be able to see where the source material is derived from, but it'll look less and less like the kind of like if you photocopy a photocopy yeah. of a photocopy of a photocopy. Well, there's that, and I mean, but, I yeah, think I never thought about it from the acceleration yeah, point like, of view. And so the other argument I've heard that is interesting to me is people think the 80s are like one thing or like there's some like it's like easy to summarize with like a picture in your mind of like yep that's the 80s <laughs> yeah they there dress is. like this the, it's madonna the perm crazy hair or whatever but Jericho. um but really there's probably a lot of things that happened in the 80s that didn't get a lot of time to shine sure and so part of what's awesome about going back and being obsessed with the past <laughs> there's plenty of negative things plenty. is you can rescue things that didn't get full appreciation and so you can find little movements or styles or things that you know like this song is so good and no one really like everyone's obsessed with michael jackson they totally ignored this but right this is awesome well it's actually it's funny you should say that about music because uh i saw a chart somewhere where somebody listed like all of the most popular music associated with a decade and then how well it actually performed in that decade yeah so i mean because i'm i'm not a huge music guy but most of what we consider pop from like the 70s 80s and 90s were not the top performing songs of that day because Something that is super popular at the time, and something that is from the sixties, and something that has staying power are usually right. Because I mean, like every year now, it seems like there's the song of the summer. Like twenty years from now, I don't think people will think of the two thousands theme song as Gangnam Style. Yeah, like I just they'll remember it, but they well, it just seems so weird because right? like. In the 14 years we've had in this new millennium, um, there's so many songs. Like, yeah. There's well, just yeah, I mean, so and, many. And the rate is increasing. I mean, YouTube didn't exist till like 2004, 2005. Just think of like My how. My God, many... was it that late? Yes. I, I believe you, but I have to. And it to wasn't look even owned up. by Google at first, but. I know that. But, like, how many, like, like what feels like old YouTube to you? Like, oh, there's, like, entire generations of YouTube. That's true. Of, like, well... 2005, then, holy hell. Yeah, it's not <laughs> even 10 years old. Oh, my God. And, like, so, like, you could talk about the, the first decade of the new millennium, and half of it doesn't even have YouTube. Yeah. And so, like, that's... Which, I mean, this is... It seems weird to summarize the 2000s. Yeah. I mean, this is a quintessential example because I started college in 2003. And if you had asked me, oh, did you, do you remember that YouTube video? It was really popular, like your freshman year of college. I would have been like, yup. It's like, you're a liar. <laughs> Completely <laughs> fabricated <laughs> memories. This is why. You probably saw it on E-Bombs World. Yeah. So. Oh, e <laughs> I probably did see it on E-Bombs World. Um, there's a whole interesting side discussion here about how we fabricate memories to suit what we think should have happened, not what actually yeah. happened, but that's that's another podcast. It's probably something to do with survival. Probably. Or denial. <laughs> Which I guess could be part of survival. <laughs> yeah. But so we got on to this crazy fashion thing because so you wear a pebble and I just looked up the dimensions. It's five centimeters. Um, that's just shy of two inches, Americans. Um, so, but that's, it's just not that big. Like, here, let me, let me say it. So this is... My car gets two hog rods to the hog's head. <laughs> it likes it that way. Is, is this Simpsons? Yeah. 
Um, this is this is not large. No, I mean my wrists are not, not heavy. Not I, I do not have Arnold Schwarzenegger wrists. This is not a large watch. It's definitely not heavy, which is probably another perk of the E ink. Um, but the only thing that makes this non-standard by watch standards is that it's not round. But there are lots of not round well, I mean, watches. Like every like man's watch that you know. I mean, there's round men's watches, but it seems like the the sporty watch has been rectangular for a long time. Yes, I can I can agree with that, especially um, if it had any kind of tech in the it. The Casio, like, the Indie Glow, the Timex, like all those have been rectangular. For yeah, well, and like G- more modern, like GPS watches and and fitness watches are almost never round. Yeah. So every because, time, I mean, practically, if you're going to have a display. It's way easier to do rectangle. So. Yeah, and and now um, with the Moto 360, granted, I think it looks awesome, but one of the first things they say is, we knew if we were going to do a watch, it had to be round. And it's like, like no. No. What is this assumption? Yeah. and That I mean, fashion won't move yeah. to what's cheap and easy to do. And, I, I mean, that's what I was getting at with, like, maybe we'll see what happens and I'll be proven wrong, but I feel like rectangle is better for interactive app design because the the way the real estate plays out i think it's better yeah that. i mean so it, why because you why have is, more space and so there's i feel just like no fashion's just gonna adjust because people are gonna be like i like this better or but maybe yeah. not well to me it sounds like a lot between uh a lot of the discussion between phone size I mean, when the iPhone first came out, Steve Jobs basically said, anything that's not this exact size is garbage. Yeah. And then... Well, and at the time, that was a big display. It was huge. I mean, even a flip phone open was barely larger than that. So, I mean, it was very large, you know, comparable to, like, a BlackBerry or anything else at the time. And then, like, just a year later... hard to predict then, because it's like... It was already like people just are just going to have this three and a half inch slab. Yeah, just but it's like no, not only that, but they're going to want six inch and five inch ones. Yeah, and and that's where I feel like we'll probably go with wearables. Is there will be some people who want a pit boy? I want a pit boy, like <laughs> just a, a whole my, sleeve. Yeah, my whole forearm. <laughs> like I, I mean, it needs to be thin and light and flexible. You, you want the power glove. <laughs> Pretty much. I want to be that kid with the lightning strike in the background. Um, But yeah, I mean, I freaking love that idea. And maybe I'd hate it once I actually had it. But if it was thin and light and flexible so it didn't feel like I had an iPad duct taped to my arm, (laughs) then I think that would be cool to have all that real estate. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'd hate it. Uh, But... If we're talking crazy sci-fi future where it's a thin display that's solar powered, so it's super light, then why the hell not? And it's the foldable roll-up. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, like it, it's it is on my arm the same way my sleeve is on my arm right now. You know, that light, that bendy, that'd be neat. I would, I'd certainly give <laughs> that'd it a try. Be anyway. Real cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so your your watch, I I can almost guarantee you in two years there are going to be people wearing. Watches twice that size. Yeah, people are just right? gonna have. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's gonna be like three, four inches coaster size. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically an original iPhone without you know the bezels, you know, but a screen that size, just like <laughs> sitting there. It's, and it'll be weird, but for some people that'll and be right. Everyone will be made fun of, but eventually it'll just be normal. Yeah, if people don't bat, and like a four inch phone is kind of small now, which is just crazy yeah to me that's the lower bound of pocketable but still useful like i because i used an original iphone because i was late to the smartphone game but i used an original iphone when my friends got them in grad school and i was like even then i was like this is a little small like it's huge for a phone and it's really neat but i was like it's even with the super accurate iPhone display touch targets, I'm still occasionally yeah. like bonking on the wrong stuff. And I mean, I'm n- I don't have giant hands, so I I guess if you're a woman, then a smaller screen, or if you're a kid, I guess if you just have smaller hands, then you, the thumb arc is how they always talked about yeah. it. Um, so there's that, but. Most of the time when I use my phone, I'm using it with two hands. And my phone's yeah. not that large. 
So I feel like I would rather have the utility of a larger screen, whether it's on a phone or a tablet or a watch, than have it be more fashionable. <laughs> so, so what else can these things do? What is my pendant going to do for me? Well, so here's the one that I want. And I've mentioned this to you before. And every time I tell this to someone, I think of Dick Tracy. But to me, the killer feature, and we already have this, so this isn't like one day when it's developed. Like, this is the thing I want yesterday. Yeah. I want to be, like, walking down the street and have a thought occur to me that is not immediately actionable or a note that I want to take for later. And I want to just hold my wrist up a little bit or maybe if I even had like a mic on my collar or Bluetooth headphones in that had a mic and I just want to say okay Google and I want it to recognize my voice not just anyone who says yeah. okay Google but I want to say okay Google take a note play video games for six hours when you get home <laughs> and, and then it saves that note and then when I get home it reminds me play video games for six hours because then the second I take the note, I can stop thinking about it. Yeah. But if I have to like stop what I'm doing and take out a pen and paper or take out my phone or, you know, type it or write it down mm-hmm. or whatever, then I'm going to be less inclined to do it. And I want to be able to do the like getting things done style, get it out of my head and then yeah. process and it. And it's not later. just locally on your watch, but it's now in your Google notebook. Right. It's now. So now when I sit at my laptop, I can also say, remind me when I'm at my computer to and you, look you'd be up able this to say, thing. Like, what notes did I take today? Or like, yeah. What did I say? Exactly. <laughs> what the hell did I say? Yeah. <laughs> What am I doing Who with my life? I? What is this place? What time? What year is it? <laughs> what year is it? I almost screamed that into the microphone, but that would be irresponsible. Um, but that's uh, that to me, like personally, I know Google can't shape their business around just what I personally want. Yes, they can. And they should. But that to me is... If I could do that, if I could do the exact thing I just described, that would be worth 300 of my American dollars. <laughs> like, I, I would buy that on day one if it had that exact functionality and then room to grow, right? Because yeah. if they just bring it out and they're like, it tells time and eventually it will do more. Like, <laughs> that wouldn't be enough for me, but the note-taking thing on day one would be sufficient to justify that kind of expense. Well, that's, I mean, that's every time my Pebble notifies me of a, a Hangouts or a, an iMessage, I'm immediately have that urge of like, why can't I just press a button and go, yeah, I'll be there in five minutes. It's, yeah, right? Like Dick Tracy style, but like, it's like, I don't know, the same thing with the stupid fashion complaint. Like, people are like, but you look like an idiot. It's like, not when it's really useful and yeah. it's, I don't well, know. It's like, I mean, the. Uh, it looks I, less ridiculous to me than holding my smartphone up to my head and, yeah, and shouting at to it. it. <laughs> yeah, and that's. Bluetooth headsets still in movies. Sometimes I see they're like, oh, he's such a nerd. He's wearing a Bluetooth headset or he's, he's a high power business guy. Yeah, high power, power business, business guy. <laughs> and it's like, but like it or not, they've become cheap, useful, and ubiquitous. It's like. You, Especially because, like, so I just bought Bluetooth headphones recently because I have a small child at home and I want to, like, listen to a podcast or something while I'm doing chores and her sleeping is way more important than me being entertained. <laughs> so I, I finally broke down and bought some Bluetooth headphones and they have a mic in them and it works well, like, really well. And I hate talking on a smartphone because no matter how i orient it yeah. the, the proximity sensor never works and then i end the phone call and i pull the phone away from my head and i'm like oh i've changed my phone's language to dutch <laughs> or i've deleted a bunch of emails and it's i bracken. and i don't know how many and like that's infuriating yeah. <laughs> so like i don't want the the screen pressed up against the side of my head well, and i just hate like like sweating against the, slab yeah, the glass, of glass. Uh, yeah. And so yeah, definitely. All of that can be fixed by just using a Bluetooth headset. So to me, even though they're dorky and and lawyery like the utility is worth it. Oh, yeah, I even tend to, when I make calls, I I tend to hook in the headphones that have the mic on the cable yeah. and yes, like, it's the same kind of cable mic that I have. 
Yeah, I hate phone ear. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've considered buying one of those ridiculous hipster Bluetooth handsets that looks like a nineteen nineties <laughs> phone. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I think ThinkGeek probably sells them. Like, I would absolutely use one of those. I mean, I wouldn't carry it around with me, but I'd use it in my house. Yeah, because I grew up in a time where the way you use the phone was you pinched that giant thing between your ear and your shoulder and well, then you well, you made dinner yeah or, you know i'm doing chores around the house and i got phone users neck <laughs> violin neck <laughs> yeah violin neck is probably a less ridiculous way to say it <laughs> um yeah i would totally do that because of the utility of it like it's i feel the same way about google glass like i want to get my hands on google glass because i strongly suspect for me the utility would outweigh the nerdiness so if anybody out there is feeling generous, I have an invite. I just need the $1,500. If, if any venture capitalists yeah. like to invest. Yeah, if anybody, it was my birthday a couple days ago, so if anyone feels guilty for not getting me anything, <laughs> $1,500 product will totally make up for it. He won't hate you for it if you... It's true. I would I would not hate you. So we're coming up on our, on our hour here. Is there any last-minute wearable stuff you just have to get in? Because I, I feel like the, the thing you said, or we, we, we came to together, <laughs> with the, the micro-location thing and the identification thing, those are the two features people need but don't know they need. Yeah. So it's like, is there a way... What's going to get them to use it? What's going to get them to understand it? Yeah. Like, I've tried to explain two-factor auth to people, because I use two-factor auth for my important services, um, and not all of them have it. Banks, I'm looking at you. But... Like, you know, on Google and GitHub and some other important services, I have two-factor auth turned on wherever I can. But when I try to explain it to people, I'm like, well, I put in my password, and then it sends me a text message, and then I have to put in that code. And they're like, why? So it's like, these people don't... So that not no only do they not agree that security is important, but they don't even understand what good security is. Yeah. I was happy to see in the new House of Cards, they show two-factor auth happening for a guy. And it gets subverted. With a text message? Yeah. Nice. And, uh, I mean, his phone gets stolen, so the guy, it's part of the plot, so he can, it gets subverted because the guy loses his phone, but. Right, but it's still, that means they must have already had his password. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they had his password, but the hacker that was helping him get access to it was like, you gotta get his phone. Yeah, but look at how much extra trouble that villain had to go to to get into that person's villain. account. This, it was actually the, the hero. No. Well, he was trying <laughs> to figure out what was going on with Frank Underwood, but... Okay. But you know what I mean. Like, yeah. So, Guy A wants to get into Guy B's stuff. Guy A has his work made much harder. Yeah, he doesn't just have to know his password, pass one, two, three, four. Yeah. And I feel like... A, you know something I didn't even think about before. I need to know whose account I'm breaking into. Like yeah. I can't. Yeah, if you just had his phone, or if I just had a username and password combo. If I don't know the literal specific person that belongs to, I don't even know whose phone to go steal. Yeah. So you, and the, the you vice can't versa. You algorithm- just find a phone on the street. Yeah. You- you don't know it's, what. That yeah, it's thing. no good. So you can't algorithmically target a website and say just try usernames and passwords because yeah. if everybody has two factor auth on, it's like I don't know who any of these people are, and now the added work of literally going and finding them. And so that just stealing makes the people stuff. who are late to the party even more vulnerable. Yes. Well, yeah, they. I, I don't. There's some quippy phrase that some security guy is known for, but it basically boils down to. If you're still using Windows XP, you have now made yourself a target because the the bad guys know Windows XP is no longer getting security updates. So which operating find, system yeah. are they going to start hammering on harder? Windows XP. Yeah, it's like they this are, is the best time to try to hack people. Yes, and also ThinkGeek, you need to be embarrassed because. Your website search did not give me the product I wanted, but a Google search gave me the product on your website. I feel like the list of websites where their search is as good as Google is pretty much zero. Zero, yeah. The people who embed Google search on their website. It's still not as good as Google. (laughs) It's not the same. (laughs) It has that big, like, Google custom search thing at the top. Yeah, and it looks like crap. (laughs) Yeah, because Google has probably started to downplay the use of that. They're yeah. like, just come to Google.com. It's cool. We'll, we'll just, send you that website just anyway. Google it. Just Google it. 
So I think we're, we should probably wrap up yeah. here. So where can people find these show notes, Mike? Because there's actually, these are, no question, the most robust show notes we have ever Especially assembled. Especially the what year is it JPEG included. Everyone needs to see that. Um, you can find these show notes at flippingtablespodcast.com slash 008. Woo! And where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find Pseudomichael at pseudomichael.com or on Twitter as M. Edwards Music. <laughs> I love it. Um, and I do want to say you should check out the show notes and leave comments and we will we will answer you. It's, so. it's true. Yeah, we actually, so we post um, the episodes on Twitter. Uh, you post Facebook. I don't because I hate you, Facebook. I'm going to start um, tagging you every time. No, you should because I want to see that feedback. So definitely do tag me, but I'm not going to have a post of yeah. my own. But I'll participate on that post. Um, and we both post Google+. Plus. So the website, flippingtablespodcast.com, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Google+. Plus. Um, any of those places are fine places to converse with us about the show or follow up. Um, and I'm curious. I know I have not thought of or seen other people's ideas for all cool wearable stuff. So tell me. Tell me. Justify the money I'm going to spend after Google I.O. next month <laughs> when they release these devices. Because the money's already spent. So just make me feel less terrible Do about it. myself. Do it. And uh, people can find me at lionsinbeta.com or at lionsinbeta on Twitter or plus David Lyons on Google+. And no Facebook, no LinkedIn. Ha, ha, ha. Yep. And no MySpace. I need to get rid of LinkedIn. I you should. that site. We... We could do a mini episode about killing old accounts. You, you it, would be, it would actually be like two seconds because I would just say delete your LinkedIn account. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So cool. So we'll see you guys next week. All right. Yeah, I think we're good.